This week, Reverend Wendy talks about the book Prescriptions for Happiness by Ken Keyes. Reverend Wendy looks at the idea that we are indeed able to create lives of greater happiness, greater peace, and greater joy. Reverend Wendy talks about the idea that happiness is often not achieved by rearranging the things in our lives outside of ourselves, but rather happiness is achieved by looking at our own internal landscape. Reverend Wendy also emphasizes that happiness is an important part of the human experience. Between the reminders in that song and the lessons I'll be sharing with you now, you ought to leave here feeling really good this morning. I hope you do every morning, actually, that you spend with us. We have been exploring together the last couple of weeks some of my favorite, simple, quick-read books. And this is the last in this short little series of books like that that I want to share with you. The one I want to speak about this morning is a book that was written by Ken Keyes. I believe it was sometime maybe in the middle uh, 70s. And the book is called Prescriptions for Happiness. How many of you have read this book before? Yeah, just a very small number. It's, it's still in print. I went online to look at Amazon. I think they have like seven copies left. Um, more on the way, they say, or something like, like that. Uh, Ken Keyes was an author, a, a, um, a personal growth coach. He founded a method called the Living Love Method. He wrote more than 15 books. He did a lot of traveling around the country, teaching his ideas and conducting workshops and, and and retreats. His books have sold over four million copies. He passed, I think it was in 1995. Of all of the books that he wrote, this really, I think, is my favorite. It's brief and packs an awful lot of good information in it. I want to begin by reading something on page two of the book that I think really speaks to who he was and what he was dedicated to. He writes, this book is not copyrighted. How many books do you know that are not copyrighted? This book is not copyrighted. It was written as a gift to our world that is suffering from separateness, non-cooperation, strife, and unhappiness. Now, this was written several decades ago. I think it still applies today, maybe even more so than it did then. So I want to pay attention and apply these ideas myself. This book um, was written as a gift to our world that is suffering from separateness, non-cooperation, strife, and unhappiness. To keep prices low, the author receives no royalties on this book or any of his books listed in the back. Anyone on the planet may reproduce this book in whole or in part without permission. It would simply be appreciated if acknowledgement was given to the author, and then he gives in the form that he would like the acknowledgement given. I think that deserves a round of applause and appreciation. He suggests that we've really been shortchanging ourselves of more of the good life that we could all be living, that we, we can live lives of greater happiness and greater peace and greater joy. But it will require, as we well know, those of us who've been part of this spiritual teaching for a while, as we well know, it begins with how we work at things from the inside out. It begins with how we think about things. And then the behavior that we choose to practice and participate in from the inside out, from the different thoughts that we're going to think. And so it's not about rearranging things out here, but it is about getting a handle on what, is, what are the things that we can remember inwardly, prescriptions as he calls them, 
that can help us to live happier lives. You know, the Dalai Lama frequently speaks about happiness as being a, a life purpose. And I don't know about you, but I respect that man quite an awful lot. And when someone of such wisdom and such spiritual insight and maturity says, happiness is important, I, I, I pay attention to that. If you think about it, would you not agree that when people are happy, they do much nicer things than when they're not happy? It can be as simple as that, just like that. Ken cautions that while this book contains three simple prescriptions for happiness, he says that there's some stuff that can get in our way, and this is what he says can get in our way. It's only your mental habits and your selected memories of how you think, of how you think things are that keep you from molding things in your life in a more harmonious way. It is pride or silly models of prestige that get in your way. Sometimes your mind would rather prove itself right than let you be happy. Can you relate to that at all? Have you ever honestly found yourself in that same kind of place where it was so important to you to be right that you were willing to hold on to that even though you lost your peace of mind and happiness in the process? Nod your head honestly if you can relate to that. That's most of us, and some of us are going like this. Amen, right? So the first prescription, and these are simple. That's why I picked these, these books to share with you. The first prescription is ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Let's speak that together. Ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Wouldn't you agree that your chances of getting what you want definitely increase if you're willing to ask for it in the first place? Yeah, a lot of times we just don't ask. Ask for what you want, but don't demand it. I remember so vividly being at Sammy's Woodfire Pizza restaurant a number of years ago with our daughter Jennifer when she was all of five or six years old. We were finishing up dinner, and the waiter walked by to another table, and on his tray, the waiter was carrying the largest, most delicious-looking ice cream sundae I had ever seen in my life. I later learned that these things were called messy sundaes. And they're called messy sundaes because they are overflowing the top with, with whipped cream and, and chocolate sauce and nuts and cherries. And, you know, when they deliver it to the table, everybody just, the spoons come out and everybody starts to eat this wonderful thing. Well, I'd never seen one before, and neither had Jennifer. Now, she's all of five or six years old. And the waiter wa had walked right past her on his way to another table. Her eyes got big like saucers as she followed that entire journey of that messy Sunday to the other table. Well, it was adorable to watch this, and both John and I looked at her and said, so what's up, Jennifer? And she wouldn't say a word. We said, is there anything on your mind? <laughs> Not a word. Jennifer, is there anything you would like to have? Not a word. I finally said something to her like, you know, Jennifer, when you want something in life, it's really important to ask for it. Then you might get a chance to have it, because all I wanted to do was get her an ice cream sundae. 
And finally she said, yes, she would like one. And of course we made that happen. I don't know why she didn't ask. I really don't know why she didn't ask. And even when we asked her afterwards, why didn't you ask for it, she didn't have an answer. But that calls to my mind, how many times in my life, maybe in your life as well, has there been something that you wanted, that you really wanted, and you just didn't ask? Either you didn't ask verbally or literally for what it was that you wanted, or in prayer and meditation, you didn't ask spiritually for what it was that you wanted. I love the idea that Ken presents in the book, this idea of ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Sometimes we don't ask for what we want because we might be afraid that we won't get it. And it's true. We can ask, and it may be that we don't get it. But chances are way better that if we are at least willing to put ourselves out there and ask, that we just might get the very thing that we ask for. Sometimes we don't ask out of fear. What if they say no? Or we don't ask out of a feeling of unworthiness. We don't deserve it, or we think we don't deserve it. He says, ask for what you want, but don't demand it. And he says, learn to ask in the same way that you ask so easily and so naturally for somebody to pass you the salt and pepper. When we're sitting at a table and the salt and pepper's at the other end and somebody's close to it and we would like to add a little salt or pepper to our food, we don't have to go through any angst of whether we're deserving, whether they might say no, whether we've had bad experiences in the past when we've asked for salt or pepper, right? I mean, we do what? We just ask for the salt and pepper. And he writes in the book, when you'll know you have mastered this, when you can ask of another or ask of life, whatever it is that you would like, with the same ease and comfort that you would ask somebody, please pass the salt and pepper. So I invite you to keep that as just a real simple but powerful visual in your mind. When you know that there's something in your relationship, at work, or from spirit that you would like, ask. Ask and practice asking. But don't demand it. But don't demand it. The Bible tells us we, at, we have not because we ask not. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. So asking without demanding is important. Sometimes we demand in either a very forceful, bully-type, uh, nasty sort of way, loud sort of way, but we can also demand in a very manipulative sort of way. Have you ever been on the receiving end of that? Nod your head if you have. I bet you have. This is what Ken writes about that. He says, asking for what you want without demanding means that you stop hinting about what you want. Now, I know that there are some women in this audience and some men, although I hate to admit it, I think women might do it a little bit more than men, and I feel okay saying it being one. Sometimes we hint around, we pussyfoot around what it is we really want, and we hope the other person will what? Reads our minds, all right. Why was that said in a very low tone, like it was coming from the men? Do you have some experience with this, gentlemen? 
Asking for what you want without demanding means that you stop hinting about what you want. It means that you don't put things so obliquely that people will have to try to figure out what you want. It means you stop going around with a heavy disposition, hoping somebody will ask you, what's the matter? It means you quit downing yourself by deciding in advance that people won't want to give, you, give it to you or that you don't deserve to get what you want. It means that you learn to ask again for what you want today, even though you asked yesterday, without results. Little pointer I'll share with you, a bit of powerful advice I was given a lot of years ago before we go on to the next prescription. And that was don't ever put a no in someone's mouth. Take that in for a moment. Don't ever put a no in someone's mouth. It was a consultant we were working with many years ago during a certain phase of, of our church. And I must have been giving him some sort of what he would have defined as an excuse, and it probably was. And he said, Wendy, have you asked? No, I haven't asked. He said, don't ever put a no in someone's mouth. Same thing that Ken is saying here. Ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Let's say it again. Ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Prescription for happiness. The second prescription for happiness, and maybe this is a little bit tougher, he says, accept whatever happens for now. Accept whatever happens for now. Say that with me. Accept whatever happens for now. That can be difficult, I know that. There, some things are hard to accept, would you not agree? Yeah, some things can be really hard to accept. But have you noticed when you really look at it that when you don't accept something for now and you're resisting it and you're fighting it and you're struggling with it, that all you're doing is adding a layer of difficulty and unpleasantness to an already unpleasant, unacceptable situation? And what I've noticed when I practice stepping away from the experience just a little bit to observe myself more carefully. What I notice is that to the degree I refuse to accept what is going on in my life right now, to the degree that I refuse to accept it and that I'm resistant and fighting it, that all my energy and all my creativity seems to go in the direction of the, the resistance and the fighting and the... Um, it's a very draining kind of experience. And I've noticed that when I can get myself centered, breathe into it, breathe into the pain, breathe into the experience, acknowledge that what is so is so for now, that the minute I can do that, all of the energy that was spent, wasted in resistance and anger and frustration is freed up to be more constructive to be able to look at what can I do, given what's going on right now, what can I do to bring about a preferred situation? Is this making sense? So it's a willingness to go a little bit deeper. It doesn't, these are important points that I pulled from this chapter. Accepting whatever happens for now does not mean you have to like what's happening. That's really important. It's like, we don't wanna accept it because we don't what? We don't like it. We don't have to like it to accept it. To accept it is really just to acknowledge this is what it is. It's not to run away from it. It's to see what it is. So it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to stop trying to change what is happening. 
You can, but you acknowledge what's happening is happening right now, whether you like it or not. It means you don't, it means you have to think, let me start over. It doesn't mean you have to think that whatever is happening is right. It may not be right, but fighting it, its existence is keeping you from finding the way through and beyond it. And that's the point that we have to get to, except whatever happens for now. He writes, this accepting or letting go is a sensitive inner surrender, not a forced outer surrender. It's vastly different from defeat or submissiveness or a loss of strength or diminished effectiveness or loss of individuality. Notice that when you're defeated, you don't really let go of the inner demand. You don't really let go of the inner demand. You just turn loose of the bone you were fighting over. You're still tormented inside by an inner desire that dominates your consciousness. You're still demanding the bone. What we're talking about is you're releasing yourself from inner desires for what the world is not ready to give you right here and right now. Those last words were really helpful to me. What we're talking about is you're releasing yourself from your inner desires for what the world is not ready to give you right here and right now. It doesn't mean that in the next moment, things could fundamentally change and suddenly everything becomes so much more desirable and to your liking. Have you noticed how when you stop resisting, things tend to get better right away? Have you noticed that when you stop resisting, your vision becomes clearer and you're able to see things that you didn't see before? Accept whatever happens for now. You don't have to like it. You can still work to change it, but you don't deny that what is, is. You see it, you can name it, and you can move past it. So accept whatever happens for now. Together, accept whatever happens for now. A prescription for happiness. And the third prescription for happiness, turn up your love even if you don't get what you want. Let's say that together. Turn up your love even if you don't get what you want. Is it easy to turn up your love when you get what you want? Yeah. yeah. Is it challenging to turn up your love when you don't get what you want? Yeah. Is it challenging to turn up your love in the presence of your sandpaper to your soul person or persons in your life? Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's a spiritual teaching. Spiritual teachings take us where we are and invite us to stretch and grow into a better version of ourselves. Turn up your love even if you don't get what you want. We do this not primarily to be nice. We do this not primarily for the other person. We do it primarily for how it changes us. When you and I make a choice to come from love in those relationships and situations where it is most challenging to make a decision to come from love, in order to make that decision and act upon that decision, we have to do something different on the inside. We have to change. 
we have to either see that person differently, we might have to forgive, we might have to drop our judgments, we might have to listen a little more deeply, we might have to really try to focus on finding the God seed with, within them, but it demands that we show up with a greater capacity. It is why I think Jesus said that you have no reward for only loving those that love you. And to really make that point, he gave kind of an insulting comment. He said, even the tax collectors do that. <laughs> he said, the reward comes when you choose to love those that are most difficult to love. And he wasn't talking about monetary rewards. He was talking about the reward that comes when we grow as people. When we grow as people, we are rewarded because number one, we feel better inside. We feel happier inside. We're rewarded by a better physiology. When we are emotionally happy and joyful and peaceful inside, it's better physiologically for our bodies. Have you noticed that joyful and happy people seem to have lots of things that work much better in their lives than old, grumpy, nasty, unpleasant, judgmental, you fill in the blanks, you get the picture, people. Absolutely, turn up your love even if you don't get what you want. Love is a skill. It's a skill. And do you know how you hone that skill? Practice. practice. And who do you practice with? Everybody, but who do you really practice with? Yourself, and who do you really, really practice with? The sandpaper to your soul, people. That's who you really, really, I know, I know. You didn't want me to say that, did you? I didn't want me to say that either. I'd rather practice it with my best friends and not with the people that I go, oh, oh, you're still in my life. <laughs> right? You're still in my life. And I know that I'll get to a real place of growth and development where they may have not changed and I can say, you're still in my life. <laughs> because without you, and I mean this sincerely, without you, I couldn't grow into a more loving and better person. I really couldn't. And that is true of you as well. Jesus talked so much about love and I think he demonstrated it. He said, of his disciples, the world will know that you are mine. The world will know that you are my disciples by how well you do one thing, love each other, not convert each other, <laughs> not guilt and frighten each other, but by how well you love each other. I happen to think that if he did come back in physical form today, he would be really upset and probably most upset in the church itself by how well you love each other, by how well you love each other. And he told us that unless we love those that were most difficult to love, we were no better than the tax collectors. So turn up your love, even if you don't get what you want. I'd actually change one word in there, and I would change the word even 
and I would put the word especially. Turn up your love, especially when you don't get what you want. Especially when you don't get what you want. It's a whole lot easier, this kind of teaching comes much more naturally to dogs. Have you noticed it? <laughs> right? Right, Dr. C? Way naturally to dogs. You can forget to feed them on time. You might change their food and they don't even like the new food. You might be gone for a long time. You might have to brush them too hard and they just still keep coming back loving you. I want to love like that. How about you? How about you? So can you repeat the prescriptions with me? Do you remember them? These are prescriptions for happiness. What is the very first one? I'm going to ask you to say it now with joy because you got it right. So not like it's a funeral statement, but like it's a life-giving happiness statement. So let's try it again. You look beautiful when you did that. How about the second one? Oh, you really got work on that one. Let's try that again. Accept whatever happens for now. And how about the third one? <laughs> Turn up your love even if you don't get what you want. Turn to somebody with joy in your face and share that last prescription with them, please. All right, all right. Namaste and God bless you. <clears throat>